Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. I am going to bring you my news stories as I always do, but before I do that, um, this week I sent some questions over to Dr. Janelle Tavares, um, who is the project administrator here at HealthLink, because the first story that I had written about for this week, um, she was actually there to be part of the story. Um, There was a special meeting of the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV-AIDS, or PACHA, Um, And since the meeting was newsworthy and I was writing about it anyway, I thought I would send her a couple of questions so that she could call into the podcast and share some of her experiences. So uh, my first question for Dr. Tavares is, what was the purpose of the meeting that took place? The Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS, also known as PACHA, provides advice, information, and recommendations to the Secretary regarding programs, policies, and research to promote effective treatment prevention, and cure of HIV disease and AIDS, including considering common comorbidities of those infected with HIV as needed to promote effective HIV prevention and treatment and quality services to persons living with HIV disease and AIDS. The White House asked PACHA to provide on an ongoing basis recommendations on how to effectively implement the updated national HIV AIDS strategy, as well as monitor the strategy's implementation. Next, what were some key takeaways for you personally? The Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS held its 65th full council meeting in Miami, Florida on October 21st and 22nd of 2019, focusing on HIV in the Latinx community, the Ending the HIV Epidemic Initiative in Florida and Puerto Rico, and how this initiative is addressing the unique needs of seven Florida counties and San Juan, Puerto Rico, which is prioritized in phase one. The biggest takeaway from this meeting is the need to ensure meaningful community engagement and create mechanisms that will sustain these efforts. Centerlink is committed to reducing health disparities within our communities, including HIV, and is willing to step up and partner in the ending the HIV epidemic efforts to increase meaningful community engagement among LGBTQ and people of color through our over 260 member centers. And finally, what was it like to get to attend in person and be part of the process that the rest of us are kind of uh, reading about or listening about now? The two-day Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS meeting was amazing. And it was an honor to be in a room of HIV leadership and expertise from around the United States. It felt great to represent Centerlink and be the voice for Florida at the National HIV Table. I have high hopes for ending the HIV epidemic initiative. And as Centerlink's LGBT HealthLink project administrator, I look forward to providing technical assistance and capacity building to our member centers and others in order to accomplish the initiative goals. Well, a big thanks to Dr. Janelle Tavares for calling in and sharing some of her thoughts. Um, If folks want to learn more, you can visit our blog at blog 
www.lgbthealthlink.org, where as always, we will have a link to that story and all of the other stories that I am about to discuss. So without further ado, let's jump into our first non-interview story of the week, No Gains in LGBT Depressed Mood. Researchers examined 18 years of data and found that while heterosexual youth had a decline in depressed mood symptoms for many years during that period, sexual minority youth had no such improvement. Especially considering the gains made in LGBT rights during this time, the results to me suggested the ongoing need for targeted interventions to support LGBT mental health. In other words, while things may be getting better generally in society um, for LGBTQ people, that doesn't necessarily mean that mental health is going to improve um, unless, you know, we really do something about it as a society. Next up, menstrual products grow inclusive. NBC News reported that the brand Always will remove the female symbol from its packaging in an effort to make more inclusive uh, products for people of all gender identities who menstruate. Transgender health advocates heralded the move as one that could help trans and non-binary people feel safer and more comfortable buying these essential health products. Next up, HPV vaccine practice differs from beliefs. A new study of providers in Canada found support among these providers for vaccinating all sexual minority men against HPV. Um, We know that HPV disproportionately affects queer men, especially those living with HIV, and yet they haven't been the focus um, of vaccination efforts. It's been picking up a little bit more recently, but traditionally the vaccine has been targeted mostly towards um, young girls and young women. Um, While these providers said that they thought that all queer men could benefit from getting the vaccine, in practice, they weren't recommending it to all queer men, and they cited financial considerations of their patients, as well as government guidelines, which say that vaccination should be limited to those 26 and under. So definitely interesting to see the disconnect between a belief that these patients will benefit and kind of these um, external financial and uh, government, you know, recommendation uh, issues that are coming into play. Next up, LGBT people in poverty. A Williams Institute report found that 21.6% of LGBT people live in poverty compared to 15.7% of other people. Transgender folks, bisexual individuals, and LGBT people of color all had further disparities when compared to their cisgender, lesbian and gay, and white peers, respectively. Discrimination in education and employment, as well as health issues, may contribute to the community's poverty disparities. And then, of course, when we think about the disparities within the LGBT population that were affecting trans people and bi people and people of color, we have to think about all of the intersecting factors around transphobia, biphobia, and racism that are impacting all of these populations as well. And in our final story, a play explores HIV across generations. The New York Times reported on a new play coming to Broadway that explores intergenerational exchanges among queer men on HIV. The cast and crew, many of whom bring personal connections from different generations, said that the legacy of the epidemic is key to understanding the progress of the LGBTQ community uh, and the challenges that it still faces today. 
Definitely sounds like an interesting play, and if you can't make it to Broadway, you can definitely at least check out the article like I did. Well, something about that last story made me want to go put on some show tunes, so I'm going to go do that, and I will leave you until next week. Uh, Thanks again to Dr. Janelle Tavares for calling in with some information about the Pacha Conference. Um, And as always, if you're interested in learning more about any of these stories, just head to blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where you can find the corresponding uh, written edition of the Roundup, as well as all uh, weeks past and future. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.